Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, Roberto, coming to you from Whistler, British Columbia. Um, it's some exciting times right now. Um, we've got lots of projects going on. I've just returned from Tanzania not too long ago. Um, just before that was in Iceland, uh, paddle boarding amongst giant icebergs in frigid cold waters. And of course, I've spent the last, um, hmm, how would you say, 15 years uh, or more actually doing adventures of the type too fun. So I'm going to start today by giving you a little bit of a background about who I am and how it is that I got to get into so many backcountry adventures that require surviving and that require being prepared for uh, weather, uh, for elements, for waves, for cold, um, and for so much that you really, really uh, must be absolutely prepared for. So I started about uh, 20 years ago going on canoe trips, and that's what set the foundation as a child to to kick out uh, into the backcountry. But the backcountry can be very unforgiving. Indeed, if you're not properly prepared, things can go wrong very quickly. Um, so I'm a sea kayaker, I'm a canoe camper, I'm a mountain biker, rock climber, um, I've been skiing since I was three. Uh, I trek mountains, just uh, 19,430 feet. Um, I do significant amount of backcountry camping. And many of these adventures, if you're not properly prepared, things can go very wrong very quickly. So the idea of today's show is to um, give you a glimpse into how I prepare for a lot of these adventures so that I do indeed stay alive. Because uh, in many scenarios, uh, things can go very wrong very quickly. Um, you'll often hear stories of people, whether it be down in the Bible Belt of the U.S. going into uh, to the canyons of Utah. And it could be an absolutely beautiful and proper um, day, but yet they get lost and um, they run out of water um, and or they get heat stroke and, and people die, die out on the trail. So, um, so I'm going to start uh, by diving in a little bit into uh, the different types of equipment that we bring and how we make sure to stay alive. So beginning with kayaking. Now, there are many different types of kayaking. There is the intro recreational kayaks. There are sit-on-top kayaks and ocean kayaks. And there are my favorite vessel, um, the sea kayak. And the sea kayak is about a 16 to 17 feet long, uh, narrow, about 22 inches wide uh, kayak. And these are the ones that you sit inside the boat. And, uh, and when you sit inside these kayaks, obviously, you have more of a propensity uh, to tip than, than if you were in a regular uh, sit on top kayak. Um, so for these boats, uh, it's very important that uh, that you be experienced when you're going out into big waves because having a long line in the water uh, allows the waves to kick your boat around very easily. And that's why in, if you're in cold water, you always want to be wearing a dry suit. Now, a dry suit is indeed a pretty penny because these dry suits can go up to $2,000. And basically, it's a, a Gore-Tex suit that has neoprene gaskets at the wrists, neoprene gaskets at the neck, and this is what allow, what keeps the water from going in if you were to tip. Now, one of the things about 
um, about these these kayaks and these dry suits is that if you do tip in cold water while you're wearing your dry suit, you could uh, you only have about twenty minutes, maybe thirty minutes of fumbling around to get back in your boat before you could start getting hypothermic because. When you're wearing a dry suit, it's not like you have a wetsuit on that's, that's really creating a lot of heat. The, the function of the dry suit is simply to keep water out from hitting your body directly. And this has made it such that, um, that while you're sea kayaking, you don't layer up too much under your dry suit. Because if you put too many clothes under your dry suit, then you will uh, get overheat. And when you overheat, then you start to sweat. And then when you start to sweat, then you can start to get cold. And if you were to tip into the water while wearing your dry suit, while you've got a lot of sweat on your body, all this sweat is going to instantly become cold, which could uh, simply put, kill you. <laughs> um, not to be so blunt, but it is how it is. And, and you know, a big part of, uh, of being in a sea kayak is knowing uh, that you can't just get rescued when you need it because there's, I have an emergency beacon, for example, but if I'm four kilometers from shore, even if I press the emergency uh, button, uh, realistically, there will be nobody coming to rescue me for a few hours because they have to logistically organize themselves to come uh, and rescue you. So this is one of the really uh, important things to be conscious of when you're out sea kayaking is as much as you have that safety net of having an emergency beacon, uh, the most important person and the most important uh, scenario or, or the thing that you need to have is to make sure that you have the survival gear necessary in case of a wet exit. A wet exit is when your sea kayak goes upside down and you're forced to go out of your cockpit. And because your sea kayak is upside down, obviously the whole cockpit fills with water. Now, it's really tricky to get back into a sea kayak when you're in open water or an open ocean and you've got big waves because you have to put a paddle float on the end of your paddle. Imagine a little uh, balloon, per se, that you blow up that goes at the end of your paddle. And then you put the other end against your boat and you use this to crawl back into your boat. But it's really tricky in big waves, and uh, and if you're particularly if you haven't practiced this, and every minute counts when you're in the back country, and when you're in, when you're in your sea kayak and you're trying to get in, because particularly in cold water, obviously, if you're not back into your boat in a certain amount of time, then you'll start to get chilled. Another big thing is that if you start to uh, to get cold while you're trying to get in, and your hands weren't properly covered, <laughs> excuse me and your hands are probably covered, then your hands can gnarl into pieces of ice um, and you won't be able to use them because the cold water combined with cold wind um, will does a really quick job on it. So one of the things that I keep very close to me and usually clip to my life jacket is a pair of neoprene gloves because if I was to tip in the water, then the first thing I need to do is put on these neoprene gloves to make sure that my hands don't become the first thing that, that go because with cold water and the wind, your hands will gnarl up into rocks and you won't be able to unfasten a clip to grab a knife, to crawl into your boat. Everything that requires a little bit of dexterity with cold water and wind is very quickly gone. So I keep my neoprene gloves close to me. Now, another few things that you'll want to take uh, on, uh, make sure that you have on your sea kayak deck is a dry bag with your emergency essentials. 
as I mentioned, if you were to be in this scenario where you've tipped in out of your kayak, you're in your dry suit, you're starting to get chilled, you've just done everything you can to get your neoprene gloves on, but your hands are starting to gnarl. And then that's when the decision comes in into, am I going to keep trying to get back into my kayak or am I going to go and try and swim to shore because you only have a limited amount of time before you start to get really chilled and, and trembling and all that. And and I think this is important uh, as a sea kayaker to be very aware of because if you spend too much time fumbling and trying to get back into your boat, then that could be uh, very quickly the end of you. Um, I keep a dry bag, and I've mentioned this before on, on previous podcasts, is that I, I keep a dry bag or five to 10 liters, depending on what how big the trip is, on the deck of my boat. And what I do is whenever I need, um, whenever I, I go out on any adventure, if I was to, to tip, then the first bag that I know that I need to grab and swim to shore is that dry bag. So very important to make sure that you've got uh, your emergency dry bag. In it, I will keep a down jacket, a lighter, a few snacks, um, and uh, and oftentimes I'll either have my emergency beacon on my life jacket or uh, an extra power pack in in the dry bag so that if I get to shore and my phone was dead, um, then I'm able to quickly uh, get get signal and and get power and then and then send signal out. Also, fire starter because you only have a few moments when you're very very chilled to reverse from going from a, a body that's about to go hypothermic to go in the other direction and become a body that's warming up. And starting a fire is one of the most important things uh, when you're in the backcountry uh, and you really need to get warm quickly. Um, one of the, I, I love to have uh, wolf and grizzly fire starting um, uh, tinder as well, um, because this, this allows me to, if you were to get to shore, to really, really quickly get the fire going because there is no room for air at that point. Sometimes if you're trying to start a fire and your hands are really cold and they're starting to gnarl up, if you don't start it in that moment, your hands could get so cold that they become useless and therefore you're no longer able to have the dexterity of your fingers to start that fire. So very important to know when to make a decision when you fall out of your kayak, um, whether to go to shore or keep trying have your, your emergency dry bag and obviously always make sure that this dry bag is perfectly closed because if it isn't, then obviously you get to shore and you just get there with a bag of sopping wet uh, gear that won't help you at all. Obviously, um, making sure you've got your, your life jacket on and, and is fantastic, but that will only help you when it comes to giving some extra flotation before you get back. Um, on a canoe trip, it's a little bit different. You it's not as necessary to have uh, a dry suit on most of the time. That being said, um, it's in these scenarios that often people make the mistake of not being fully prepared, assuming that they would never tip their canoe. And uh, and one of the things that I love to have as well is my, the, the emergency dry bag on the canoe to be able to grab it and go if needed. Sometimes I'll take uh, a plastic case or a pelican case or a nanook case instead of a dry bag because if I'm in a canoe, I have so much extra space that allows me to do that that I'm able to grab it. Um, 
a few different things when uh, when you're backcountry camping is is really knowing the route you're taking and and the limits you have and being able to simply stop if you need to. On so many different adventures, we we're going and it's the the going's getting tough, the waves are getting bigger, or the trek is getting just too long and we're exhausted and it's starting to snow and it's starting to rain, and um, and we have a very very simple solution to to this and it's when the going gets tough uh not the tough get going but uh actually quick way to reset the scenario of whatever has been going on i've been uh with shireen uh my partner before and uh where she starts to be to cry and she's exhausted and and really at the end of her her limits um, and that's when mistakes are made, you know, when, when everyone's very tired, perhaps it's on the descent of the mountain, or perhaps it's the last few kilometers of paddling. And this is when you have to be most careful because, uh, that's when mistakes tend to happen. Um, and many a time we've gotten to the point where, uh, either she or I are just so tired and we just keep, can't keep going. And you have to mentally be aware that it's better to stop and pitch your tent and reset reset your energy, reset your your plan, dry out some clothes, uh, get some food in your system, and then attack the day or the adventure or the conundrum or the problem uh, again. You know, a lot of people get fixated because of work that they only have X amount of time to get out um, uh, and do their adventure. So they, they, they limit themselves on having the ability to simply say, okay, we're going to come out of the backcountry a day later because the winds were too wild while we were canoeing. Um, and, and, but because many people have to get back to the office, they often try and push through these scenarios and say, no, no, no I have to be back and, and I have to paddle uh, because if not, I'll, I'll be late for work. But it's one thing to be late for work and it's another thing to never make it back to work. <laughs> so, so I definitely recommend um, that, that when when you reach your limits, if you have the ability to simply pitch the tent, get the warm sleeping bag out, uh, and get and get warm and, and fed, this is when you'll be uh, really able to reset yourself for the adventure that's to come. I'm just going to take a little sip of coffee here. Mm. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, really like that when I'm having a podcast with other people, it gives you a moment to take a coffee while somebody else is chatting, but we we will take what we can get. Um, today, I'm actually also heading out on a, uh, a paddling, sea kayaking uh, trip with maybe another boat that'll be a canoe for for some friends, and uh, and it's a perfect example of the type of day we where while the body of water that we're going on isn't dangerous per se, if uh, somebody was to tip, then quickly, even though we're not far too far from the highway. Um, things can go really wrong because you only have a certain limit of time to to get out of your scenario. So, so today, uh, with one of my friends that's going to be coming, I'll be giving him a dry suit, knowing that uh, if he was to fall in the water, he would have that extra time needed to be just fine. Really important to have uh, dry bags with you and to have your gear in dry bags because it, it's terrible to get into camp somewhere and open your dry bag and be severely disappointed that uh, that you, everything is wet inside. And uh, and therefore, that's why dry bags are so important. Our, our go-to dry bags are the ones from Mustang Survival uh, and My Pelican, uh, Pelican Products. Those, those are two companies that make really gr- uh, great dry bags. And this is 
another survival tool because really um, it's by making the mistake of not protecting your gear that often you'll get into a situation which you which you didn't want to be. A big part of backcountry survival comes down to preparedness. And and obviously it, it's something that I learned over the years because you, you realize like, oh, if I had just had this uh, sleeping bag in a dry bag, then I wouldn't have a, a soaked sleeping bag. If I had just stopped and uh, set up the tent, then I wouldn't have gotten into this dire scenario of being exhausted on the trail. If I had just brought my uh, bear spray, then I might have had a chance when the bear started to charge me. So being prepared is definitely the cornerstone to uh, so many adventures. And there's there's apps, like there's one that, that uh, I think is really neat called Get Pack Up or Pack Up, P-A-C-K-U-P. You can make a gear list of everything that you're taking on your trip so that you don't forget anything. Because as in my character, I get very excited whenever I'm going uh, on a backcountry adventure or any adventure. And this is when you tend to forget things that you really, really needed and should have brought along with you. So you, other people use checklists. Um, other people simply do uh, a gear list once, print it a few times, and then every time they're heading out on a trip, then they've got that ready to go. So I do recommend check out Pack Up, uh, a good app to do the, the gear list. Um, for mountain biking, this is another sport where where the, the different type of gear, of survival gear that's needed is based on the fact that in a mountain biking day or adventure, um, the injuries could be really bad because flying off a bike at 30 kilometers an hour down a knobby trail downhill and you're far away from, from people uh, can be a quick scenario for a branch that's protruding from your forearm or, um, or some really bad falls. And so for the mountain biking person that's getting ready to go into the into the backcountry, one of the principal things that you'll need is having a good medical kit. Because if you have a good adventure medical kit and you've got everything in there that you need it, um, you're prepared for the scenario where you've got a gashed arm uh, that you've got to bandage up and make sure and stop the bleeding. And this is the type of thing that perhaps, sure, I always say to take a medical kit for your sea kayaking adventure, but in a water scenario, the medical kit might only have an emergency blanket, and that's all you would need from it. But in a mountain biking scenario, you're going to need the gauze and the and uh, and the band-aids. And uh, I've got uh, a neat product that also helps stop bleeding, and it clots the blood on your skin so that you can uh, get to the hospital more quickly. So mountain biking, you definitely want to have a very, very good medical kit in your backpack Obviously, lots of water. Hydration is a big, big thing when it comes to uh, preventing misadventures because many people, especially if you're in an area that's uh, a lot hotter in southern states um, and dur during the summer, you can get uh, heat stroke quite quickly. And and that's just a simple tool, water, right, <laughs> that, uh, that can prevent getting to that. And electrolytes because if you're in, in very hot weather, Obviously, you're losing all the salt in your body. And if you are hard hydrating a lot, you get to a point where you, you're just throwing all the salt that's left in your body out. And you need to have that salt in order to retain some more water uh, and keep and keep you healthy and going. So um, definitely mountain biking trip. You want to have your water, 
an emergency beacon. I would take an emergency beacon for a mountain biking trip in the backcountry because that's the type of scenario where, okay, I wiped out off my bike, I broke a leg, I've got bandages going around, I'm, I've stopped the bleeding, but I need to get uh, rescue service to me as soon as possible. And while the rescue service might take half an hour, an hour, four hours, um, obviously you can be in a scenario that uh, without it, the consequences would be quite different. Um, skiing, uh, particularly when I'm on the side of the, on, on Whistler Blackcomb and I want to go side country or, or a little bit in the back country is, uh, is another sport where you really want to have the same, uh, you, a, a set of survival gear with you. And I take my Thule upslope backpack and it's a, a back country ski bag that, that has side pockets that are access accessible. If I was in a scenario where I'm in a tree well and I'm upside down, at least I can reach to that side pocket and get things that I might need. Um, in this backpack, of course, I'll have my, my backcountry ski gear like skins, shovel, um, probe, uh, transceiver. Uh, well, the transceiver will be on me, but oftentimes before I start the backcountry trip, I put the transceiver in the backpack in case I'll need it when I get to the backcountry. Um, and, and for, for being on the mountain, it's really good if you're on mountain to have the phone number of ski patrol. Um, we actually had to use it just, uh, just yesterday, no, two days ago where a friend of mine, um, was trying to plow me with snow and unfortunately, uh, pulled his muscle really badly. And it was the first time that I was actually had to call ski patrol and get, uh, get them to come. So, uh, so really important to have that. Uh, number close to you and a whistle should be in a very accessible spot on your jacket or on your backpack where the clip comes around on your chest because if you're in a tree well and nobody can see you or hear you then uh, your best bet to make some noise without uh, losing all your breath and energy is obviously to have the whistle on you and and the whistle comes in in handy in a lot of sports as well. It could be for for sea kayaking, canoeing, uh, backcountry camping, trekking, uh, skiing. Lots of scenarios where it's always good to have a whistle and in a in a spot that's closely accessible to your mouth, so that in a time of need you're able to reach for it and uh, and get what you need. So uh, just a few of those those things really 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 important. Um, Kite surfing is a different sport that not, not that many people do when it comes to comparing to sea kayakers and stuff. But, uh, but I do, I have found that having, uh, sometimes, particularly if I'm going very far away from land, um, having a little dry bag, a tiny one, just attached to my harness that, uh, that I could have some, uh, things like my emergency beacon because I tend to kite without a life jacket <laughs> because in a kite surfing world, you use the kite as your life jacket in case you needed it uh, to, to get out. Um, I'll jump into, you know, today is going to be a mix of sea kayaking and winter camping. So I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit and, and a few of the items that keep us surviving in the cold outdoors uh, longer and happier. Um, the proper tent is really important for the type of weather you're doing. You know, I've seen people that are taking a summer tent or a spring tent, uh, what we call a two-season tent, um, to to a winter trip. And if you've got mesh on the inside of your tent and uh, and the outside is just a tarp, then you you have no heat, very little heat retention in the tent, and you you tend to be colder a lot more quickly. And obviously, the gear that you need to have has to be even warmer because there's very little re heat retention for the tent. So, 
selecting your tent for winter is very important. You really do want to have a proper uh, winter tent that uh, that can take the snow, that can take the rain, um, and that will keep you very warm inside. And a big part of uh, single-walled tents, which are the, my favorite ones for, for winter, is that they help retain heat inside the tent very, very nicely. I get a lot of people that, that go uh, camping for the first time with me are often surprised at how much of a temperature difference it is from outside to being inside your tent. And this makes quite, quite uh, a big difference in your comfort when you're in, in survival mode and you need to jump into the tent. And if you have a summer tent in winter conditions, then obviously uh, you can get chilled very quickly and things can go awry very, very, very quickly. Um, a few other items that I find uh, pretty key is is telling people that in a, in a winter scenario, you always want to have a sleeping bag that's rated to a lot you're going to need you know um i i my partner shireen will often take uh her her sleeping bag in minus 40 uh for which is a minus 40 in temperatures that are only minus 10 or minus 5 because she knows that that she'll get chilled very easily and uh and that makes it um that makes it very very tricky um, what other things did I did I want to? Oh yeah, for 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 canoe trips and and for winter trips, um, having a proper pair of down booties can really change your adventure from having cold feet. And some people, if they don't take care of the extremities of their body, um, the situation can turn quite quickly simply because they didn't have proper gloves or didn't have uh, the gear that might have helped, such as down booties, to keep themselves warm. Um, my go-to. Uh, on pretty much any adventure is having a big down jacket. This is one of my essential winter survival items because even though uh, it could be it could be a summer adventure and not even a winter adventure and and you fall in the water, you get a bit chilled, you come out and uh, in my case i 've learned that it takes it takes a bit for my body to reheat itself to get to the point where i 'm not feeling uh, cold um, and a win- this winter jacket, even though it, it could be in a summer scenario will will do exactly the trick I need to to bring my body temperature up and therefore take me out of a danger scenario um, and obviously. Uh, if you're doing uh, a backcountry uh, trip anywhere that you're going, uh, a key factor is letting people know where you're going. Because if they don't know where you're going, then if you ca- don't come out at a certain time or, or uh, you've gone missing for a few days, then people won't know where to start looking for you. And I've been in scenarios in the backcountry before where... Uh, perhaps the kayak uh, was cracking because I had taken it down some rivers and it was quite dangerous. Um, but then I realized, wow, you know, if the if the boat sinks or if it, it has issues and I've got um, and, I, and I'm it, the situation gets really bad in some particular situations that I'm thinking of uh, in my mind right now, and you haven't told anybody where you are, then uh, then it could. It could be the the difference between them knowing where to rescue or where to start looking and therefore getting you out of your situation or predicament in time before you have issues. It reminds me of the story of, I think, uh, Ratson. His name was Ian Ratson, a guy that goes into uh, the desert and he goes into these canyons. And while he's climbing in and out of them, a boulder falls on his hand. Um, And it's a really big one and it pins his hand. And because he hadn't told anybody where he was going, then nobody had any idea that he was in these slots. And 
And after a few days of realizing that nobody was going to come because nobody knew where he was, um, and they just assumed he was out into the backcountry doing his thing because that's how solo backcountry people tend to go. They just go and do their thing and, and think that everyone's, everything's going to be fine. Um, and no, he, he had his, his hand pinned and he had to take out a, a knife um, and cut his wrist off to be able to clamber out of that, that canyon and that, or uh, that slot and get back to, to civilization. So very, very important to make sure that you've got, um, you've, you've let people know where you're going to be, because if he had 24 hours after he would have not come out, they would have sent somebody to check on him. Um, trekking's another, uh, activity in sport where, where even though it's technically just walking per se, um, things can go wrong if you're not prepared in, in the right way. And, and I think it's, it's, uh, very important for people to not underestimate the elements. And one of the biggest factors in staying alive in any backcountry situation is having the right gear. Like yesterday we went out with some friends and, uh, my buddy just simply didn't have the right jacket. And it's a guy that's used to being in the mountains all the time and in cold weather. But as the expression go- goes, uh, there is no wrong weather. There's only wrong gear. So really important to have um, the proper Gore-Tex or waterproof jacket with you or proper Gore-Tex or waterproof pants as well as... Oh, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. Um, as well as having um, all the warm equipment, uh, warm clothing like merino wool, that could be the game changer. And a, f- a few friends joke around with me that uh, they often say, hey, you know, uh, you're always about Merino and how it's so important and everything. And it's only from having climbed Kilimanjaro that they understood that that when Merino gets wet, it stays warm. And that could be the biggest factor in how much time you have to get out of a situation. So very important to do make sure that if you can get your access to Merino base layers before you go on your backcountry adventure, whether it be a summer adventure or a winter adventure, these it's an item that will simply help regulate your body heat to keep you alive. On the sea kayaking trips, I often, I only wear merino under my uh, dry suit because that's how I'm able, even if I was to get wet a little bit or um, or my sweat was to, to wet the, the shirt and the long johns, it doesn't matter because uh, my body will regulate it. It'll, uh, I mean, the, the merino will regulate it. And then it makes sure that I don't get too cold. And another really neat thing is that it tends to dry very quickly. So even though I may have sweated, and if I was wearing a cotton shirt, then I would get chilled. But with merino wool, uh, you don't. So these are just a few of the the items that I definitely highly, highly recommend. Um, so an emergency beacon, uh, InReach makes a great one. Spot's another one, but I'm not, not such a huge fan of that one. Um, definitely having the right clothing, merino base layers, down jacket, uh, Gore-Tex waterproof pants and, and jacket, um, gloves and a toque, obviously, uh, having enough food to last you extra days because oftentimes, and it's happened to me before, we run out of food. And uh, when there's no food, there's lack of energy. And when there's lack of energy, it's also a scenario where things can go wrong. So hope you liked my little guide of type of things that you'll need to take into account uh, for your backcountry adventures. And I'll be coming back to you uh, with a lot more. Indeed, the idea is to do a podcast tomorrow while we are uh, kayak camping um, in winter 
and uh, and interview some of the friends that are going to be on this adventure with me so that you could see um, what how they prepared to make sure that things don't go wrong. I'm Roberto for the Expeditioners. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, it's been a pretty wild week, so I'm excited to put out uh, the schedule for next week um, much in a much more orderly fashion so that y'all can join me for these, uh, the show on Colin. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Roberto for the Expeditioners. See you later.